Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories podcast. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck, and I am so excited for you to be here to join us today. This podcast was originally a live show that was aired across several different social media platforms. The goal of this show is to amplify the stories of amazing people, which serve as inspiration for your journey. Your story matters. It tells us who you are and who you want to be. Enjoy this opportunity to hear from these innovative thought leaders as they discuss what it means to unlock unlimited potential. If you are looking for an opportunity to connect further with me after this show, please visit brandonbeckedu.com to learn more about my speaking, coaching, consulting, and other offerings that are designed to help you and your organization find greater results in your journey. Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. Hope everybody is doing well. I get so fired up every time I watch that video because I get the chance to update that every single week when someone awesome comes on. So it is such a great recap of all the amazing shows. We're running into season two here, and it is so awesome to have this guy right next to me, George Kuros. How you doing, George? Yeah, good. I like if I what happens if I don't make the video? You're gonna make the video. It's part <laughs> of it. It's included in the package. I don't know if I'm saying it good. So I'm kind of nervous. I'm like, where am I going to be at? I'm going to be the beginning and am I going to even make it? So it's going to be. Don't even think about it. I wouldn't even think about it. You just take your time. And uh, I think by the end of this show, you'll have a, you'll have a good idea of something you want to say. How's that sound? You got it. Well, listen, I appreciate you joining us from Canada and from the other side of the border man i wish that border was open and we could uh go and meet all our educational friends across that border because i got a lot of them over there so that would be pretty cool someday yeah no it's uh yeah it's we're actually in a lockdown in alberta i think uh new york state borders on ontario they're in like a massive lockdown so uh yeah it's a little it's a little frustrating but yeah it's the same thing i've i've been so blessed to to meet so many amazing educators not only in the united states but obviously around the world and it's it's cool because we have that opportunity now in a way that I didn't when I first started my career. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back on the road and connecting with people face to face. Yeah, and it's been such a wild ride. I mean, you've done so many conferences, I'm sure, and presentations mm-hmm. and speaking mm-hmm. gigs at so many different places that you've just been doing it from the comfort of your own home, which is obviously positive and negative. But there's nothing like that personal touch, right? Yeah, and I think I think I was just talking about this with someone uh, recently. The, the thing, like, I love being up on stage, trying to inspire audiences, you know, push thinking, you know, reminding them uh, of how incredible they are and the work that they do. But I think for me personally, one of the things I really struggle with is um, just little conversations that you have after with people that you don't know. And I, I think a lot of times we talk about, you know, oh, people we get to meet from Twitter and all that other stuff. But I, I, I there's a, there's, a, there's these huge opportunities to connect with people that, I don't know from social media, don't have social media accounts, uh, you know, and push my thinking, share ideas, just have good conversations. And I think that those things, uh, I think, I, I don't know if I can say I ever took them for granted because I love them. I just, I know I miss them tremendously. 
right? Um, I think that that's something that I'm because I, you know, I still have the opportunity to have those conversations, but I don't get the hallway, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, we have to resort to what we're doing right now, podcasts, live shows and all these other great things. But there's you're you're right. There's not enough people in the room, honestly, because Mm -hmm. that opportunity to, you know, to be there and to speak and to present and to do all that. That's great. But then it's that that personal connection. There's nothing really that can replace that. And it's the same in the classroom, too, I think. Um, You know, there's some things that are working in the classroom, but there's also a lot of things that, you know, without that human connection, there's really a lot to go on that needs to be said, you know? Yeah. I've, I've had a few people email me talk about how much they have been struggling with that, that, you know, they didn't, they never were just about content. They didn't become teachers because they just wanted to like, you know, disperse content. And because of like health guidelines, things like that, they're really missing the, the relational piece and they're doing their best to create in some aspect, like I, you know, like doing this podcast. Right. And I have my own podcast having conversations, um, you know, with people is fantastic, but there's, there's, there's just something, uh, that I really miss about that being in that same space and connecting with that. And, and so like, I just really appreciate it. I know, you know, as a dad, that's, uh, that's something I really, like, I, I honestly, I know this sounds horrible. I don't really care, um, about the content when you teach my kid. I want to know that my kid feels safe in your class, that they feel appreciated, that you are trying to bring out the best of them. And that, that takes a relationship. And so it's just kudos to the teachers, um, all around the world that are doing an amazing job to to do that this year under such terrible circumstances. But I know that they wish they could just kind of have it back to, you know, how important that that connection is. Yeah, absolutely. If there's anything that's reminded us how important those connections are, it's definitely been the last year for sure. You know, we kind of jumped right in and just started going. I didn't even have a chance to introduce you. I mean, right. I, I don't think you need much of an introduction. I mean, but I think it's important. I mean, yeah. you're a speaker, you're a TEDx speaker, you have, you're, a, and I love this title, Innovative Teaching, Learning, and Leadership Consultant. That is a whole <laughs> bunch of great stuff inside yeah. of one. I love that title. You're a best-selling author of The Innovator's Mindset and Innovate Inside the Box. You got a blog. You also have a podcast called mm-hmm. The Innovator's Mindset. I've been on it. I've, I've appreciated it. I also love the three-question feature. That is a good part. I appreciate that. Trying to do my best impression i don't want to steal from you but i really wanted to steal that three question segment <laughs> it's a good idea it's I, it's I, I don't know i came up i i usually take a little bit of a like a little sabbatical because my my busiest time is uh usually during the summer right speaking at conferences things like that and that's a downtime uh so some of my slowest times in december and i try to take a step away just to kind of think of some new ideas and that actually came out um, just kind of thinking like, you know, what, what's something I would want to know from every guest, right? And those are the three questions. And actually, it's uh, funny that it was just kind of like on a whim, like a shower idea, you know, just something that just came to me one day. And now it's actually turning into a book. And uh, I have 15 uh, different authors and uh, five answer, answer one of the questions, who's a teacher that inspired you? And then five answer, who's an admin that inspired you? And then five answer, um, who is, uh, what advice would you give to yourself as a first year teacher? And it's just, just such a mate. Like I didn't, I just said, tell that story, what you think. And it was like a little concerning cause you think you'd get the same answer, um, over and over again, but such great stories and emotional. It's, uh, it's, it's like, uh, going to be kind of a chicken soup type book coming out with just incredible authors, um, sharing their thoughts. So like, it's just interesting. Uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, you talk about unlocking unlimited potential. And I think one of the things that I really 
appreciate about the way that I do my work is that I, I do. And then I think I don't necessarily think and then do. And I don't know it, the way that I explain that maybe doesn't sound great, but I think a lot of times we overthink stuff and then we talk about all the ways that we sh shouldn't do stuff. You know, we talk ourselves out of this. I kind of just say like, Hey, I'm going to try this and let's see where it goes and I'll modify it along the way. And you know, what came is one day like, Hey, maybe I should try this is now in a book that's coming out soon, which is kind of fascinating, but yeah. I and mean, it was great that it have, uh, you know, I, I asked, uh, 15 people and I got 15 yeses and that was it. And we were good to go. So I uh, really excited about it. That's awesome. And, and I can totally relate from the whole experience of just diving right in. I think that's a really important thing that we do with our students. You know, we obviously, you know, have to think things through, but sometimes mm -hmm. your kids, they remind you of something, their learning styles remind you of something, right. they enjoyed something that they really liked and you want to try that again or whatever. And there's certain things that, you know, my students in my class, they challenged me. They're like, Dr. Beck, can we go outside every single day? And I said, yeah, why not? Yeah. And they were, and so <laughs> I did it for five days, six days, seven days. And then as we got out there, I started to notice that like they were laughing, right. they were just hanging out. It was just a different experience. And that five, 10, sometimes a little bit longer of minutes when we came back to the classroom, it was just it was a better environment. The kids want to be there. You said it earlier about relationships. Like yep. if you don't want to be there, you know, then why are you here? And I think that that's an important thing that we really need to consider. It comes before everything else. Yeah. I, I talked about this in Innovate Inside the Box. Um, yeah. I actually talk about this core of innovative teaching and learning. We talk about like empowering learning experiences, being a master learner, uh, learner driven evidence informed practice. And those are really important aspects. But what I put in the middle of that image, and kind of the whole um, idea is that relationships are the core and without that <laughs> you can't do the other things right they won't be as effective and when uh, i was talking about that one of the things i shared was a, a study from ohio state and it, it basically said the importance of social capital in classrooms how important that is and it, it referred to basically saying that simply greeting kids in the hallways before they enter a classroom is shown to actually improve math and reading scores now, this is something I always say. I have no idea. If you told me that without having research to back you up, I would believe you because if you told me, hey, we're going to start the day making sure people feel valued as they enter our spaces, of course, they're going to do better, right? It's kind of an obvious thing. And what people need to see, and I think a lot of educators really embrace, is that, yeah, it's 10 minutes of time that, you know, you might spend traditionally setting up things for your classroom, et cetera, you know, kids out in supervision, recess, whatever. But it is actually an investment you're going to get back tenfold because you value kids at the beginning of that class. You're probably 20, 30 minutes less of like, you know, getting kids back on task that, you know, don't trust you, don't know if they really, you know, like, you know, really you like them kind of thing. And so I think it's that time that we spend with that. It actually always comes back to us later. It always comes back to us. Maybe not, doesn't feel like it at that point, but you know, I, like I, one of the things when I present, I'd probably spend 10, 15 minutes just building rapport with the audience. And then when you do that, it actually makes them want to listen to you for the last 45, where I think a lot of times people spend a minute and then people don't listen to you for 50, 90 minutes. Right. And because they don't, you know, know if you're there for the right things, they don't really know anything about your story. So I think it's really, you know, I have to do that in a really short amount of time. I think it's something that we have to be thoughtful of every single day. It's not something we just build relationships at the beginning of the year and then just go business. It's an everyday thing. Absolutely. I, you know, mm -hmm. I use a phrase all the time, economy of time. You mm -hmm. know, the, the things that you spend time on 
they have to be beneficial to the result. They have to be beneficial to the success and they have to be beneficial to the well-being of yourself and those around you. So if you're, if you're doing those things and you're taking those risks, you know, I think the advice that we're both giving you is just to keep doing it, to dive right in, to just start something new. And if it goes wrong, you'll make up for that time because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if your students are motivated, if they're inspired, if they're excited, if they want to be there and they want to be there with each other and they want to be there with you, that is just, that's the end goal, right? That's the unlocking unlimited potential for me as well. Yeah, that, that's that's like the idea of relationships. I think a lot of people think it is this kind of like fluffy element, but really it is so you can put people in a position where you can push them, right? You can challenge them. Because like, if I know you have my back, I'm way more comfortable with you pushing me, right? But if I feel you're, you're, you're attacking me or you're trying to like knock me down because it'll make you feel better about yourself, then, then what, like what growth is going to happen in that space? And, uh, the, the one thing I, I refer to all the time, and I'm sure people listening, and I see Jillian Dubois, uh, popped in. Hi Jillian. I hope, I hope you're still there. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Um, and I'm I, so I, terrible at communicating with people in the chat. I just have to throw. Yeah, that I, saw, out there. I, I just saw I saw Jillian. I saw her in the uh, the opening. Segment. Shout out to Jillian. Yeah. Hey, do you know what? Shout out to Jillian. I even got my little air horn. There, you there go. it is. Oh, oh you just made the show better. I'm gonna have yeah. you on every show now. That's right. So the uh, so the Rita Pearson TED Talk. There's something that you know, and I if you haven't seen it, I'm sure every educator has seen it. But if you haven't, I, I highly suggest it. Uh, she says that, you know, you can't learn from people you don't like. And people say, no, you can learn from people you don't like. And I, you know, like I, I get that. Yeah, of course. I, I've learned from not only people I don't like, I've probably learned from people I dislike, right? That I don't like at all. But what I take away from that conversation is that we go so much further when we do have that relationship. We go so much further than if we don't. And that to me is what really matters because like, I am, like I said, I'm more open to you pushing and challenging me if I actually know you care about the work that I do. And I think you, it's not just uh, in the classroom. It's how we interact online. It's how we, you know, interact, you know, at work. Uh, there has to be that that, that push and support, uh, you know, element there too, that we're doing it for the right reasons. And sometimes, you know, egos get in the way. It's like you're giving advice to uh, diminish, not to uplift. And I think that to me is, that's where I try to do. And I'm not hundred percent perfect, obviously at it, but it's something I always consider when I'm trying to help and support people that I work with. And I think it's very simple, right? Mm-hmm. It starts with that simple question. How are you doing today? Yeah. <laughs> and like, to me, that's really critical. And that's important because sometimes we overcomplicate something like this. Oh, it's social emotional learning. We put these labels on it that starts to complicate everything. When really it is, is how well do you know what's going on in your your kids' lives, your students' lives? How well do you know what's going on in their home? You know, I think that's one thing that was pretty interesting about the the pandemic, having mm-hmm. an opportunity to be on a screen and to be able to see your the students in their home environment. I learned so much just from mm-hmm. seeing the little brother, the sister, the pet, the, you know, all of the things that were going on in the house, where they were sitting. Not that it was necessarily a terrible thing that, you know, at some times you would see them and they'd be left to their own devices and you would wonder, like, you'd feel for them. Um, but it gives you a little bit more empathy and it gives you a little bit more perspective on that idea place to start. So when students right. come back, okay, well, I can start here, but 
you still are having that difficult time getting that one-on-one -on -one connection. But as they walk into the door and, you know, my school happens to be 100% in person and it's the most amazing thing ever. I mean, the year that I've had as an educator has been one of the best years ever because of that mantra right there is mm -hmm. less is more focusing on quality, focusing on quality relationships first. And I think that that's, a, you know, what I love about the work that you do and stuff that you say and, and your kind of whole platform with that. So, and I appreciate that. Yeah, that, that to me, um, what you just said, I, I don't try to always jump on the latest and greatest. I don't try to do those things because I think, especially in school, as people feel this, like you hear schools, you know, you mentioned my my job title, which honestly, I just made up, right? So it's <laughs> like, that's the thing when you work for yourself, you can make up whatever job title you want. Um, but yeah, the thing with a lot of schools, they look at innovation and it's always about being cutting edge. It's always about the, the latest thing, the latest strategy, the latest technology, things like this. But did they get good at the last one, right? It's like we're moving so quickly to try new things that we don't give time to actually have depth on stuff, right? And for me, I think that innovation is something about how we actually understand something so well that we can, you know, uh, it's like understanding your teaching strategies, the things that you actually do in the classroom to really be able to iterate to to work with every kid. But if we don't have time to learn that ourselves, then it, it doesn't actually happen. And the the analogy that I always give is, um, you know, you hear about, and I'm not a jazz musician, so like I'm just making this up from like watching movies and what I hear on TV shows. But you have this, you know, you think about these jazz musicians that they share that can improvise on the spot. Well, the reason they could do that is because they're so well versed in their instrument. They're so they 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 know the basics so well that then they have the ability to create something really powerful with what they actually know. And I think that's what we have to ensure that we do um, ourselves. But I think a lot of times. We don't even get we don't even get that opportunity in our schools because the districts or the school um, is pushing the new initiative. And I'm like, wait a minute, we just we we just started this last day, and you haven't given us a chance to really dig deep into it. And like you said, that idea of less is more. How do we go further um, and deeper as opposed to next? Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is too is you know the bigger the school and the bigger the the mm. data population the more consistency you want to have. And then the whole other end is it, well, how do you measure it? How do you measure my relationship with my students? And how do you measure what makes an effective teacher? Because there's so many things outside of just relationships mm -hmm. that make you a good educator. But to me, I put that relationship piece like on a very, very high yeah. part of the pyramid. And I think that that's, I think that's critical to where we're going. And, and you know, if everybody's talking about what's the new the new way forward going to be and and so i think that 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 goes to show that like we're getting to this place where we overthink things like you're saying and and mm -hmm. sometimes you just got to jump in and you got to start with the relationship first and foremost yeah it's it's actually interesting when you said about how you know what the school looks at is is valuable and i think that's a really important element and um, when I wrote Innovate Inside the Box, we, Katie and I talked about this core, and I mentioned it earlier. We have relationships in the middle, then empowered learning experiences, um, learner-driven evidence-informed practice, and master learner, right? So we talked about each one of those ideas and why they're important. So they're kind of the big picture thing, but what I actually talk about in the book is I'm not to determine what that looks like in your school. You do. I don't know your context. I don't know how you're doing that. So 
what I actually suggest is that you 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 read the chapter, you talk it over with your staff, and then you decide what does this look like? How do we know if we're effective? And you create that yourself. But what a lot of schools actually do is they use someone's measurement um, outside that has never been in their school, whether it's like um, the Danielson framework, which I think has a lot of great stuff in it, but I, I but also probably Charlotte Danielson hasn't been to your school. So it doesn't know, understand the context and there's no knock on the person, but it's just, you know, there, you, you shouldn't like every school has a different context. Every school has, you know, every classroom, every kid, um, you know, has, has different circumstances. And so really it is not for me to define that and decide that for a school. What I want is to kind of, Hey, here's a starting point for things to think about. You figure that out as a school, you talk about that as a community so that we could decide that together. And like I even talked about, switching it from the idea of like teacher evaluation to teacher conversation where we I decided as a teacher in that school like here's how I know I'm successful and here's the proof I've actually done it I'm way more willing to buy into that type of conversation if I've actually had some sway to lead it in the first place as opposed to well I didn't actually say that makes me a good teacher this is just something that someone else said and you might not even agree so I think it's really important that when we're we're developing schools and as we're continuing to move forward that we it's not just like having conversations to make us feel good but it's actually um utilizing conversations and acting upon them like I don't want like what like when we ask kids like hey what are you really good at what's your strength and we ask them at the beginning of the year as like kind of an icebreaker activity. And then we never follow up or utilize that. Why even ask? Right. So it's like, how do you utilize that information to actually find a way moving forward? Yeah, no, absolutely. I found myself saying that many times, you know, that yeah. whatever we're doing and, you know, same thing goes with like values as well. And all those other, mm -hmm. those big symbols that we have in our school, you know, we, in those those things we do at the beginning of the school year, you know, how often do we revisit those and what's the purpose behind those? So, you know, you talk a lot about, we talk a lot about relationships with, with, with students, relationships with our staff, relationships with those we lead. We also have to talk a little bit about relationships with ourselves, right? So right. one thing is when we can take a look in the mirror and we can realize, Hey, you know, I got, I want to do this to become better. Um, you know, and I'm grateful for these things, but I can still do these things better and be a better person tomorrow than I am today. So you talk a little bit about, and I know you've been sharing a lot about it, mm -hmm. is your weight loss journey. Yeah. Um, I would love it. You share a little bit about that because first of all, I applaud you. That's a tremendous. I, I didn't even really know you had 85 pounds to lose. Looking Nin at 91 right now. now. 91. 91. My first goal was to lose 80 pounds and then to kind wow. of see how I left there. And then I set another goal. So I'm, I'm shooting for 100 pounds right now. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm just kind of uh, addressing it as I go. Yeah. But yeah, it's been good. Like I, uh, it, you probably, I think the only time we ever met was, you know, all you saw was my head. So, <laughs> right. So like, I, yeah, hope, yeah, yeah, I don't absolutely. have 80 pounds to lose off my head. So, uh, um, yeah. Listen, I'm just telling you, you're beautiful. That's yeah, all. I'm just telling I, you you're beautiful, yeah, but I appreciate it. And I know. And, and oh. so talk a little bit about, you know, sure. actually like I, I did a whole uh, podcast on it and talked about it. And one of the things I talked about, like I have been, to be honest with you, I've been struggling with my weight since I was five, right? So I had, you know, I was a really chubby kid. You know, I had struggled in hockey, used to get bullied, um, you know, for that. I then uh, lost weight, 
and then had a growth spurt at the same time. So I spent like high school where, you know, I was like at the, uh, at a, a weight that was, uh, considered to be healthy and, you know, like health is a very personal thing between yourself, your doctor. So, you know, that was, um, something that, uh, I had dealt with, but then, you know, but then high school gain weight, you know, big, big transitions in my life. I tend to like have issues. So probably I've been really, uh, I've been really dealing with this for the last little while, but probably for the last four or five years, I've been trying to lose weight. And I talked about how basically, like I try this, like I, there was one year, I don't know, someone responded to this and they were kind of shocked. Like I actually, uh, I think it was in 2019, uh, I started an app called Aptive and my goal was to run 100 miles a month. That's what I was gonna do. And I like blew that out of the water. I was running like 200 miles a month, right? Wow. Didn't lose any weight, nothing, just nothing. Got better at running, but you know, and I, I think so. I was like, okay, so there's some things I learned from here that I'm gonna apply. And then um, I tried V Shred, and it's like a workout thing. Mm-hmm. Did that, followed the, the exercise routine religiously, got better at exercise, didn't lose any weight, right? And then uh, I started this Lumen thing where it kind of uh, tackles your, it tells you what your metabolism is, and it's kind of like, terrifying because it was like a targeted ad on youtube i'm like oh god this knows exactly and that's how i started v-shred it was like a targeted ad i'm like this is like crazy how, like how much google's reading my mind you were just talking about it to someone and all of a sudden boom, yeah totally <laughs> totally and so that would that really made me focus on uh my eating and so uh it was like measure and i was like oh your metabolism is slow you should eat like this and then I like so i did i think for a few days and then on monday it says hey what's your weight I'm like, oh God. So I hadn't weighed myself for like years because I was terrified of the answer, to be honest with you. And then I weighed myself and I, I talked about this in the podcast. So I had in my mind what I weighed and I was not happy with that. And then I got on the scale and I was 40 pounds heavier than that. And I was like, oh geez, like this is like, and I, it was like serendipity either like a day before or a day after. So I saw something that said, it's taken you years to get into this mess. It will not take you as long to get out. So I said, okay, so like, I know what the answer is here. Like I've been, I exercise like crazy, but I don't change my eating habits. So I really started focusing on my eating habits and then I started losing weight and basically consistently I can lose between one to three pounds a week. So I'm not doing it in an unhealthy way. I'm not like doing some like fat. I'm not doing keto or anything like that. Uh, I'm doing something that I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, how can I maintain this long-term and how does, how does this like, how am I making sure that like I'm Greek we grew up in a restaurant food's a big part of culture for us right like enjoying food i don't want to take that away i think that's a really important thing for me but there is also uh, to be totally upfront there's a little bit of fear when i took that weight uh my bmi was really high and i know that bmi is not like the best measure it's like kind of like a loose indicator but one of the things i saw was that people that you know had struggled with covid there was some weight stuff and i had fallen into the obesity levels and so I'm like, I, I, I have kids, you know, if something happens here, like I, I have more control over this than I'm giving myself, you know, credit for. And so I just started doing that. And I think one of the things I hear in education and I, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of, and I understand that because there's elements of it there. Like I can talk about like, Hey, when I did uh, Aptive, I totally failed. Well, yes and no. Like I didn't hit my weight loss goals, but I learned things from that process. We talk about so much fail as failure, but I think it's learning from failure that, that matters. But the other element that I push back on is that success breeds success. When I started seeing some results, then it pushes you to keep going, right? And you start doing that. And then the results compound. 
Yeah. So I like have little goals. Like I break it down. Like, Hey, I have like daily goals, weekly goals, and then long-term goals. And I try to break them down. And then what are my habits to like, basically, uh, to, to achieve those goals. So I kind of connect them. And like, what I was trying to do is like having habits, but no goals or goals and no habits and saying like, Hey, it's really important. And I know that you, you know, uh, you're a big fan of Dan Pink and you mentioned that, like, that's, that's part of like kind of connecting to motivation. And, um, you know, obviously that's some James clear work on, on, on habits and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been good and I feel a lot better. Um, I, I have more energy with my kids, which honestly is really important to me. Um, it's the most important element. I, I want to be around as long as possible. Uh, I started having kids a little bit later and I'd, I'd like to be a granddad, but you know, so I got to take care of myself so I can take care of my family. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. So kind of, you know, like we were talking about earlier, finding that thing that works, you know, you're also Mm -hmm. finding that you were finding that thing that worked for you and all the reasons why were related to really your longevity, you know, and I love that. Yeah. And like, I'm not gonna lie, like, I want to look better too. (laughs) Like, I'm not like, I don't like, it's not just on it. Like, I want to like, I think that's part of it too, is I like was you kind of you kind of said something i something you mentioned a mirror and i i mentioned this too i felt that i was like walking by mirrors and didn't recognize myself anymore like it was like who is that guy like i, I don't i don't know it. and it was just you know it was like you know there's it, i i've 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 struggled and i still do i've struggled with depression for years you know i have anxiety and i know that um there is a correlation between mental well-being and physical well-being there's connection there i'm not a doctor i'm not a scientist i'm not a psychologist i know this from reading about it i know this from my own personal experience and so yeah like i still deal with those things but it makes them like a little bit easier but i i felt like i had lost myself and i think uh for me having uh welcoming a new daughter to the world in 2020 you know terrible year for tons of people and i understand why and i look at 2020 as a good year because i we welcome a daughter into the family and uh just thinking like i i have to i have to figure this out i have to figure like what is going on because i want to be a good example to my kids um you know i want to be confident i want to be around as possible and like what i I need to see myself again and so yeah that's and not waiting right and you've been working and you've been doing it the whole time but and not waiting to figure it out right if we've learned anything from a time of a pandemic. I also had a child in 2020, so I, yeah. I'm right there with yeah. you in that same yeah. in that same ballpark. We're both girl dads. Yeah, that is a that is a tall task ahead. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. It's been quite a journey so far. Mm-hmm. But you talk a little bit, you know, and that's what I w- we were kind of envisioning when we talked about this. Is you know, how do you get from where you are to where you want to be? And that's kind of you know, you were. It starts with that recognition. It starts with understanding what is it that you want and what is it that you don't want, and then starting to identify what works for you. That's what I've gained from from hearing what you're saying. Yeah, and it's like I said, we we always talk about like oh, like failures. It's like no, it's learning from failures. It's not like you can uh, like I'll give you an example that I'm sure many people you know can connect with is that. You're saying like, oh, like I had this relationship for five years, total waste of time, right? Was it? Was it a waste of time? Now, it might not have ended the way you liked, right? You might not have been happy during that time, but you might have learned to say like, hey, this is what I don't want. These are the things that I no longer want, right? Or, hey, I did actually appreciate this. Or like saying like, hey, there's these things that I did or didn't do that I need to improve on. 
or you could just say you wasted five years. And I think that for me is what I've tried to like understand is like, hey, those things that didn't get the results that I wanted at the time, they weren't waste of time. They were ways for me to like take those things, learn from them and apply them to my next step. And I feel like all those parts starting to add up, started compounding interest, right? And then ultimately, then I started seeing success. But I could have just like, hey, that one thing I tried didn't work. So I'm not going to even try. Everything's a failure. And then, but I, I take ownership of like, hey, there's, there's, I like, yeah, I did the V shred. I did the exercises, but I didn't do the diet. I kind of ignore the diet part. I figured if I could, you know, and I think part of it too was, you know, I'm in my 40s. Uh, when I was in my 20s, I could outrun my diet. Doesn't matter, right? Like, yeah, I could, I could exercise my way out of any, you know, uh, weight gain. I can't do that anymore. And probably because I'm a little bit slower and things like that. But yeah, I think it's just kind of taking each one of those things that you learn from even when things don't go your way is instead of looking at it as just wasted time is, is really important. And Absolutely. also in comments, thanks for, thanks for your kind words. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Challenges are opportunities to grow for sure. And I think that you're a living example of that, my man. And and I appreciate the, I appreciate you sharing that with me. And I really do. That's a, it's an awesome story. And I know we were talking about this a little bit before in the pre-show, but one thing we do on this episode is we dedicate the episode, and you already kind of mentioned it a little bit, to someone who's out there unlocking a limited potential in all whom they serve. He's going to just jump up on the screen here. So there he is right there, Dan Pink. He wrote your he wrote an endorsement for Innovate Inside the Book, right? And which was yeah. awesome. And uh, I'm a huge fan of his book. Um, I read his book, Drive. And it actually, if you haven't picked that up, people, there is a whole chapter in that about related to being a teacher in schools, which I think is amazing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, talk a little bit about that. That sounds amazing. Well, actually, uh, interesting. I, uh, Drive is one of my favorite books ever. Uh, I really loved it. And when I was a principal, uh, we, when I was a principal, I had read that book and new principal to a school. And I was, uh, we were doing like award ceremonies, like every other school, right? We were doing award ceremonies and I read drive and I was like, Oh, is this actually, this might be not be a good thing. Right. Especially it was like K to six school. Uh, so we started having conversations. I started actually reflecting openly about the book and sharing my thoughts on it. And one of the things that dad pink really, so I'm talking about like innovation, you know, creativity. And one of the things he talked about is like basically how awards, uh, you know, carrot and stick uh, process actually uh, kind of actually is counterintuitive to developing creativity. That it's great for like, hey, can you mow the lawn, right? Things that you don't necessarily have to think about, you just do versus being thoughtful. And, and what we actually talked about was, is like having awards actually getting kids to focus less on learning as opposed to get the checks, get the right checklist. So um, really because of that book, uh, we started having conversations in our school and we actually got rid of award ceremonies in our school. And I'll, I'll tell you, the kindergarten kids did not care, right? Because they didn't know anything different. I think some of the grade six kids were like not really happy about it because they had been so conditioned to um, that way. But we talked with the parents and, you know, universally, because we always kind of accept that like, hey, do awards really drive kids who aren't getting them? It probably makes them feel worse. But then we started to realize like, hey, are are the awards driving kids to do the wrong things, right? Like to actually go be counterintuitive, right? So like you'll see schools say like, oh, it's all about collaboration, right? But then they have like all the top 
competitive individual awards when you walk into the school. It's like, well, is it about that? Or like, what are you saying? Like some of the messages are, 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 are mixed as we go in. It's like, what do we recognize and what do we say we want? And are they actually the same thing? So, you know, we, we got rid of them as a school and we were good with it. And people, you know, I thought there was going to be massive pushback, but I shared my learning of that book with my staff, with my parent community. We had lots of conversations and the time we actually said, Hey, we're, we're moving away from this. Uh, we actually, nobody pushed back at all. And like, if you would have said to me five years before as a principal, do you see yourself leading a school to get rid of awards? I'm like, what are you talking about? That would be insane to me, but I, that book really shifted a lot. So, um, uh, it's something I've always loved Dan Pink's, uh, work. A uh, whole new mind is also a, a favorite. Uh, but, uh, I have a mutual friend and I asked like, would he, you know, consider, uh, sharing this? And yeah. And Dan Pink actually kudos to him. He didn't just write an endorsement. He actually read the book. Cause I think sometimes people give, uh, I'm very adamant that I don't endorse books unless I read them all the way through. And, um, he he said give me some time i want to read it and yeah and so it was it was quite an honor it's and it's someone i've like you know looked up to in outside education but like motivation if you don't think motivation ties into what we do in school then i think you're missing out on something so yeah there's lots of things we can learn from some of those outside uh minds Absolutely. I say it time and time again, and you'll notice in, in my book, Unlocking Unlimited Potential, I use a lot of per personal development authors. Some you've already mentioned, Jack Canfield for one, you know, Bob Proctor, Tony, Tony Robbins, Rachel Hollis, Brene Brown. You know, the work that they're doing is all about getting to the top of the pyramid and, you know, how do we get there? And, and their work is just because it's not in the education field entirely doesn't mean that it it doesn't serve importance to what we're, the work we're doing. And so, you know, I appreciate that. That could, we could go a whole nother episode right. on the whole thing about awards versus no rewards. And right. man, that that's a whole nother, it's a whole nother episode. I appreciate you for being on this yeah. show. Um, before we go though, I got to ask you one question. I got to ask you to finish this sentence. It's your, it's your moment, man. You ready? I think you're prepared now. We've scaffolded up, we've scaffolded it all the way up to it. It's like going to roll right off your tongue. So unlocking unlimited potential means. Uh, unlocking unlimited potential means to me finding the best in yourself so you can actually help inspire that in others. That's the way I see it. That's, that's the work I try to do. And that's what I try to inspire others. And I think Teachers do that every single day by inspiring their kids to change the world. You think about a teacher's influence uh, on the world, it's, it's, it, you can't even measure it. It's totally immeasurable because they inspire kids that inspire people that, you know, inspire the, the change we see in the world. So really unlocking unlimited potential starts with seeing what we have in ourselves to bring out the best in others. Perfect. That was poetic, man. That was, Thanks. listen, you, you nailed well, I had 30 it. minutes to think about. I was writing notes, not even listening to your questions. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I how, you, gotta you, get did, on that video. you did mention you have a new book coming up. You didn't say the title though. Yeah. It's called because of a teacher and it should be out um, at the beginning of the next school year ish. So September, uh, 2020. And yeah, I'm so excited about it because, uh, there's 15 different authors sharing really personal stories. I'll tell you, uh, anyone who reads it, if you like, it's not like, I'm not saying it's like going to change to the teaching practice forever. That's not what this book is. It's to remind us why we do what we do and just honor the teachers. And it's, I think it's, I can't remember the subtitle off the top of my head, but it's like, 
you know, recognizing the teachers of our past to inspire the future together, something like that. And it's really kind of honoring the teachers. And, and really one of the, I, I shared about my own teachers that made an impact on me. Uh, I'm, so I'm 46 years old. I talk about my kindergarten teacher, my grade three music teacher, and my high school uh, phys ed teacher. And I talked about them on my own podcast, shared it on YouTube. Every one of them commented and reached out to me. And I'm like, the reason I told you I'm 46, my mute, my kindergarten teacher had me 41 years ago, right? And she commented. And so telling those stories about the teachers from our past, I think really doesn't just like inspire what we can continue to do in the future, but it honors a lot of people in our past that, you know, maybe didn't feel appreciated at the time. So it was really, it meant a lot to me and it was just so wonderful. And like, I'm 46 years old talk to educators all the world, there's no way I'm calling any of them by their first name. <laughs> it does not matter. I cannot do it. Just cannot do it. So yeah, it was good. So I want, I, I want to really honor the teachers from our past as well. That's awesome. I mean, I, we always say, and that was kind of the premise of this show is the, the importance of the stories of others, right? And how everybody's story really matters. And the story tells us who you are and who you want to be and where you've come from. And, and that's really valuable. And so I appreciate you coming on and telling your story, my man. I really appreciate it. You know, for everybody else out there, I didn't actually, I put up your, your website and your, uh, your, your tags and everything. What's the best way for people to connect with you? Yeah, George Kuros, uh, C-O-U-R-O-S.ca. Um, that's basically you go there and Brandon, thanks for putting it up. That's you go there. You'll find everything you need to know. All right. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you getting on with me. I, I really enjoyed this. This was a, in, There's a lot of educators that are going to benefit from that. So if you're catching this on watching it after the live show, we appreciate you for joining us. Yep. Remember the journey toward unlocking unlimited potential begins with us and continue to educate with passion, everybody. Have an amazing day. Thanks a, thanks a lot, George. Thanks, Brandon. Have a great day, everyone. This podcast is proud to be a part of the Codebreaker Podcast Network and also the entire family of disruptors at Codebreaker.